One, two, three, four. Screen time, screen time, screen time, screen time. It's my screen time too. Welcome to It's My Screen Time 2, the podcast where two moms review the best and worst in children's programming, from Netflix reboots and YouTube shorts to Disney classics and Pixar blockbusters. We watch, you listen, find out what you can tolerate watching for family movie night, what to avoid altogether, and what you'll want to watch alone voluntarily. I'm Deborah, And I'm Katie. And I have three kids. Tony is 11 and Libby and Nate are eight. And I have two kids. Jay is five and Kenny is two. They are all adorable, two a one, every single one of them so adorable. We like to tell a story about how awesome or occasionally awful our kids are before we get the main episode started just to get the mom stuff out of the way. So Deborah, have your kids done anything super adorable this week? So Nate just noticed uh, what a vanity license plate is. Uh And it's not like in, like when we lived in Wisconsin at the same time, like there's vanity plates everywhere, but in Minnesota, it's more expensive to get a vanity plate. So there's just a lot fewer of them. So he was like, why don't we have one? And I didn't want to get into it. So I was like, if we had one, what would you put on it? And he said he would put... N, the number eight, D A G R, the number eight. <laughs> Nate DeGreat. Oh, that's so cute. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a pretty good answer. Yeah, I think that's a great answer. Um, in Minnesota, do you have to have license plates on the front and back bumper? Mm-hmm. Okay, see, that's the kind of nice thing about Florida. I mean, not that we don't have our fair share of vanity license plates, which we do, um, but we only have to have license plates on the back. So that space in front, people often choose to get like a cute like picture plate or something that's a little bit more personally expressive to put on the front. <laughs> <laughs> I have not gone there yet. <laughs> you should get our podcast. I totally should. Yes. Okay. Podcast license plate coming up. (laughs) So how about your kids? All right. So we were talking about strength workouts before we started recording, guys. And uh, I am trying to step up my workout schedule. Sometimes I pretend like I can work out with Kenny. Like he'll just kind of participate with me, which is kind of a joke. But the other day I was doing a core workout and I was trying to do a plank and Kenny just climbed right up on my back. So he was like laying on my back like a little starfish. I was trying to do a plank. It was pretty miserable. And I was using the Peloton app. So there was an instructor telling me what to do because I would never do this on my own. Um and Kenny, I'm complaining about having this extra child on my back while I'm trying to do a plank. And Kenny turns to the screen and goes, mommy can't do this, lady. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, thanks, Kenny. Um, It's kind of made harder by the fact that you're on my back. But <laughs> that's funny. That's actually a good ch- extra challenge to your plank. I mean, some people do goat yoga. 
I -hmm. just try to work out with a toddler. I feel like it's very (laughs) similar. (laughs) You found this great article for this week's discussion from Insider, and it came from June 21st by Abby White. And the headline was, Kids' cartoons have more LGBTQ representation than ever before, but only if you pay for it. The crux of the article was that 90% of LGBTQ characters in children's cartoons are behind a paywall. And according to the article, they say that it's because of the rise of cable, which has resulted in low-income kids having less access. All right, so this is this is all these numbers are coming from a database that Insider compiled itself of LGBTQ characters on children's shows. If you check out the database, it's actually really cool. Like you can click on a thumbnail of the show and like the LGBTQ characters will pop up and it'll give you a oh, little yeah. description of like who that character is and if they're just a guest performer or a main character. It's a really cool idea. So they say that 234 of the characters they found require either cable, satellite, streaming, or internet subscription to view them on first airing. They go on to say that this means that children whose families can't afford paid TV or internet have virtually no access to the animated representation that's meant to represent them. This is awful, but my corollary question immediately is isn't this true of all content because there's more content than ever before and the vast majority of it even the content that's made for adults is behind a paywall right right it's the digital divide because people who are lower income people who live in rural areas people who can't afford internet at home or just can't don't have broadband, they can't access the premium content. There was some percentage of houses that have, that just get basic television, not through like an antenna. Right. And it was a startlingly large percentage, but I feel like these numbers feel so vast because there are only what, five broadcast networks that make TV for kids? So you have ABC, NBC, CBS, Fox, and PBS. Mm -hmm. And there are so many, I mean, it's just a numbers game. I don't know. I, I guess I was stuck on what the solution to this is. Yeah, there were some fascinating, I like ideas or strategies at the end of the article, like casting in a google meet right to so then like people who don't subscribe to that channel or like are in a country where that channel is not available they can view the show yeah i had never thought of that as a way around seeing something that i couldn't otherwise access the thing that really warmed my heart is that some of the creatives who develop these shows want their content pirated or like they're quietly cheering the pirating of the content because they just want kids to get to see it the 
first run behind a paywall, second run free is also a concept that I think is appealing because it does preserve the profit model for the streamers. Kind of like what they do with Sesame Street now, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes total sense to me. And I don't feel like you lose out really by watching something six months or a year later yeah. especially if you're a preschooler yeah because kids content you're not gonna get that spoilers topical. on you're not gonna get spoilers on twitter right <laughs> <laughs> I don't know it was an interesting article addressing a problem that I believe exists but I don't know that there's any putting Pandora back in the box because I wouldn't I wouldn't want these paid-for products not to be making the inclusive shows that they're making. Like, the paid-for subscription services are going to be there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a good article. I haven't looked at the database. I'm going to do that, definitely. And it was very timely to come during Pride Month. Yeah, just at the end. This actually won't be released until after Pride Month. Sorry, guys. Oh, my gosh. It's July. Yeah. Sorry. No. <laughs> Yeah, I just worry that in an ad-dominated medium like broadcast television, I just fear that we'll never see the kind of inclusion that we might want. I mean, they allude to it a little bit in the article, just when you have to pitch to the broadest popular audience, it's just hard to get any of this increased representation through because you're always Mm going to have people who are digging in their heels about it. Right. But yeah, on a positive note, check out the database. It's cute. (laughs) So a little bit of follow-up from our last episode, or rather a little bit of a mea culpa, I guess, for the episode we're about to record. Uh, Guys, we have to cover this movie because we love John Cho and we want him in everything. But that does mean that we are not covering the latest Pixar release for a whole episode Luca just came out a couple weeks ago. Did you see it? I have not, but Tony watched it and he really liked it. We've watched it actually a couple times now and I am a huge fan. I, You know I love stop motion animation. And while Luca is computer animated, duh, Pixar, the characters have this like appealing roundness to them that makes them seem a little bit more handcrafted in the way that stop motion is and I just really really like to see a Pixar story that isn't hitting me over the head with a this is so important message like it was really refreshing to have something that wasn't freighted with cultural import it wasn't soul level yeah existentialism or even like inside out level, like yeah. delving into the interiority of the human soul. <laughs> Plaza has a really great cat character. And you know that a good cat role can really save something for me. It saved Kid Cosmic for me and Machiavelli in Luca. I won't give any spoilers, but oh, he is really good. Well, I'll take your word for it. I will have to watch that. So let's talk about that John Cho vehicle that jumped right to the top of our watch list. Wish Dragon is an animated film that debuted June 11th, 2021 on Netflix. 
but according to Wikipedia, it has been out in China since January. It's right in the sweet spot for movie length for me. It's under 100 minutes. And it's a major Chinese-American co-production between Columbia Pictures, Sony Pictures Animation, Beijing Sparkle Roll Media Corporation, Tencent Pictures, and others. Jackie Chan is one of the producers. The movie was written and directed by Chris Applehans, who is making his move from the art department to his first major writing slash directing gig. He's previously worked on visually distinctive films like Coraline, Fantastic Mr. Fox, Princess and the Frog, and the Angry Birds movie. So in Wish Dragon, Din is the main character, and he lives in a poorer section of his city, and his income status doesn't bother him at all, except his childhood best friend, Lena, has catapulted to, she's like an influencer and her dad is like a really rich businessman. And um, Din finds a teapot that has a wish granting dragon named Long inside. And so he tries to use his wishes to reconnect with Lena. So we picked it because John Cho plays Long the dragon. And yes, we have covered two Netflix movies in a row, but Netflix has a lot of kids' movies that look really good. And they have a really exciting slate of upcoming animated projects. We try to balance what we're watching amongst all the different platforms, but like Amazon Prime has nothing for kids. Yeah. Yeah, it's seriously a kid desert out there. Yeah. Um, so Netflix and Disney Plus, we're watching more of their stuff just because they have more and it looks really good to us. Sorry, not sorry. Agreed. <laughs> <laughs> so what did we think of Wish Dragon? Did we like it? I liked it. Yeah. I mean, clearly it's Aladdin set in China, right? I mean, yes. Yes. Give me the butt. Give me the butt. I mean, I think it's also based on uh, like a Chinese fable parable too. Um, I don't think it's just like based on Aladdin. I think there's more to it than that. Okay. But as far as like hitting the story beats, it felt really familiar, right? Like what Mm -hmm. what was fresh? Oh, that's a good... That's a good question. Um, For me, I mean, I really liked the animation. Um, I really thought that the, like, back and forth between Din and Long was very funny. Like, there's a moment when they're stuck in traffic and um, Long is like, come on, use one of your wishes. And Din just, like, digs his heels in and refuses to use one of the wishes. And so then Long uses his magic without being wished upon to transport them somewhere really fast and get out of the traffic jam and I really I don't know but see that just immediately reminded me of the original not the original Aladdin but the 90s Aladdin Disney cartoon where Aladdin tricks the genie into getting him out of the cave of wonders without using a wish I just couldn't stop comparing the two and at least 
until the end of the movie, I felt like they had some really good set pieces right at the end. It just wasn't, it wasn't hitting for me. I, I didn't get the why. I read in some ad copy that it was supposed to be a love letter to modern China, which fine, but where is the unique twist to the story? It just feels like they just swapped a dragon for a genie and like that's supposed to be enough. I see where you're coming from. I initially I was like, how is John Cho gonna stack up to the Robin Williams genie or even the Will Smith genie? And I thought he did great and I was able to watch it without constantly comparing it to Aladdin the Aladdin movies I've seen before but if I had been comparing it I think it I wouldn't have liked it as much well you're a kinder person than I am and you clearly have less baggage (laughs) (laughs) this is not the first Netflix project designed to appeal to Asian American audiences that we've covered the other movie that came to mind when watching this was Over the Moon, which we recently reviewed. And also, am I right, had a role for John Cho? Oh, gosh. Wasn't he the dad? I think he was the dad. I think that's right. And also, this isn't on Netflix, but Raya's Dragon. Yes. I was more focused on that. Like, are dragons the new zombies? Dragons are so hip right now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I did think of that as I was watching because, you know, there there's some beautifully animated scenes. You can't see my hands. I don't know why I'm doing stuff with my hands um, of long flying above the city. And perhaps had we not just watched Raya that had very similar animation with, the, you know, the sinuous dragon movements that would have felt more impressive. Yeah, I liked this dragon a lot better than the dragon and Raya. The dragon and Raya looked like sort of anemic. All right. Well, you know, she had been like turned into stone for a thousand years or whatever. Yeah. I guess this one had been crammed into a teapot. So potato, potato. <laughs> I did want to say one thing about Over the Moon. That movie had its problems. I remember saying at the time that we really liked the beginning of the movie where it was set in modern China as uh wish dragon is and at the time we said that we really wished the whole movie could have been set in modern china instead of all that weirdo stuff on the moon yes so looking at wish dragon it was like okay here we're gonna get that we're gonna get the story set in modern china with like this fantastical twist but that doesn't ultimately involve taking it out of this initial environment that we are really interested in I thought I would like it, and it turns out that it just made me appreciate the bizarro big swings that Over the Moon took with their, like, gummy bear moon characters and weird songs that immediately fell out of my head. Like, I almost wanted more of that, like, wacky energy to this one. Wow. That, I, oh, the moon part of the disco moon. (laughs) EDM land is so weird and over the moon. I know, and I did not like that at the time. And yet, <laughs> while I was watching the Wish Dragon, I was like, oh, I would kill for some gummy bear disco moonland right now. That's funny. <laughs> Speaking of gummy bears on the moon, uh, what did you think of the characters in this movie? Was there anyone that you particularly loved or hated? 
I liked Din's character. I liked his um, complete like ambivalence to material wealth. I really liked Long. I mean, John Cho, A++++. It's going to be my goal for 2022 to get an advanced copy of his graphic novel that's coming out. So I know we're like a film and television podcast but maybe we can review his book too I mean obviously yes we'll we'll follow you anywhere John Cho um I really liked the villain who has his hands in his pockets all the time yeah what does, was like, the deal with that kung fu with his legs <laughs> I thought he was a good he was a good villain and then the villain who likes puppies uh-huh. That was adorable because he is like a big, beefy, tough, scary guy. And like when he gets to wish, he wishes for enough puppies to open a pet store. (laughs) I think they did really well with that villain trio because you had the main bad guy with the kung fu feet. Mm -hmm. You had the like big, muscly, puppy loving guy. And then you had this other guy whose main characteristic was that he was super short and I just, I think that, uh, that combo was really very appealing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and the mom, I liked the mom, Din's mom, Lena was good. I, I thought the whole cast was great. Speaking of having baggage, I really love stories <laughs> where uh, the younger protagonist learns a lesson about the fact that their parents are human. It makes me feel so good. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> Hopefully my children will have such insight one day. I'm a little bit embarrassed to say that Constance Wu was the only voice talent I recognized other than John Cho. Did you recognize anyone else? Just, well, this is only because I looked at IMDb, but Jimmy O. Yang plays one of the villains. He was on Silicon Valley. And then thinking about that made me think his character is terribly portrayed on Silicon Valley and the way that the housemates treat him. I actually have yeah. never watched that show. Don't. It's pretty racist. Okay. So I'm sorry for liking that show a number of years ago. Can we talk about the main villain for a second? Sure. I'm going to try to steer clear of spoilers to the extent that I can. Let's just say that he makes a wish at one point, And I didn't think it was possible that any human would ever make that wish because there is a very well-known mythological parable that teaches us that this is the single worst wish that a human could ever make did you did you feel like it was a weird choice at all my I watched it with my kids and they pointed it out immediately I I don't want to say anymore because I guess I want you listeners to be surprised by it but it did strike a really weird tone for like it led to the denouement of the film yeah, but visually, it's really stunning. So I think it was a good choice. But but yes, a curious choice if you're looking at it realistically. Yeah, I guess I'm looking at this Aladdin ripoff movie in a realistic way. Really, I just <laughs> wanted a movie about the difficult relationship between Lena and her father. Like, I would have watched mm-hmm. that all day. Mm-hmm. I know you said you really like the animation. Do you have any other thoughts on the look of the movie? I thought that... It was really well done because it captured Din's neighborhood and like the urban setting and like the dinginess that 
you find if you live in a big city and it was so detailed like din goes up to the roof of his building and there's like a huge lit up billboard and like you can see the pixels in the billboard which is really cool and then it's like super glamorous when you get to lena's world i just thought it was well done and like the movements of the characters the kung fu was really fun to watch i thought it was great what did you think I know I mentioned the big action sequence towards the end, but I thought that there were some really great visual moments there. Uh, There was a moment when someone was swinging in on a wrecking ball to like a leap on someone else. And I thought that was really well executed. Um, There's a moment where they're having a fight on an invisible dragon in the sky. And I thought that was really interesting. (laughs) There were some good moments. I'm not sure that it made me feel that sense of tension that I got from Mitchell's versus the machines, which we watched for our last episode, but there were definitely some really well executed action sequences. Mm-hmm. And then at the end I put thoughts on the music cause I always put it in, but there was, it wasn't a musical. So there was no singing. Did you have any thoughts about the uh, background at all? The only thing that stuck out was the, the song that they played in the credits because the chorus was in Mandarin. Oh, okay. And then I wondered, like, how are Chinese audiences viewing this? Is it dubbed? Is it subtitled? Did they re- record one in Mandarin, one in English? They did, because I did okay. read that Jackie Chan does one of the voices, and I don't know who. Oh, that's cool. I would think maybe it would it would do better in China than it did here, because maybe it would speak to them more as, like, a reflection of lived experience I mean not with the Mm -hmm. dragon but like as far as representation and seeing yourself on screen Mm -hmm. yeah so what adult movie or show does this compare to for you I just couldn't stop with the Aladdin comparisons which I know is not an adult show and then also every time I see a dragon moving like that through the sky I can't not think of never-ending story also not a grown-up movie or show but the way that Falcor the luck dragon moves through the sky Yeah, I thought about Pretty Woman because Din is like dressing up for the day as if he lives in that world of wealth to get to act, to get to see Lena. And I also thought of the Britney Spears documentary. Who isn't thinking about that right now? I know, but when Lena and the the movie wasn't really about this, well, it kind of was like Lena is super hyper controlled by her father. She can only do like sponsorships of products that he approves and he's just super controlling. So that's why I thought about that. Did you see the very funny Netflix movie, Always Be My Maybe? That sounds familiar, but I don't know. It starts the comedian Ali Wong. Oh She's yeah, the one that, did that all was the, good. Yeah, all the that comedy was cute. When she was pregnant. Okay, yeah. so it made me think of that a little bit because it's like- she goes away and becomes wildly successful and then comes back and tries to reconnect with her childhood best friend who has just kind of stayed and not yeah. pursued success. That's a good one. How can we cast the gritty re- HBO reboot when this already stars our favorite actor? Yeah, I, I think this is just a joke, right? Like we can't, we have to bypass the casting of the gritty HBO reboot. Yeah, John Cho's perfect. <laughs> he did a really good long. So was it better when we were kids? 
I feel like we beat this drum every time. Like, we just didn't have this level of representation of other cultures full stop. Like, maybe you had your odd uh, anime that made it to the American pop, the American cultural mainstream, but that was rare. And we certainly didn't have any sort of quasi-realistic depiction of life in other countries, unless it was, like, continental Europe or Great Britain. Right. Yeah, I liked this a lot. It was definitely not better when we were kids. But I will stand by the original Aladdin, because I think plot-wise, it was the superior movie. There you go. I said it. I said it. Would you ever watch Wish Dragon alone voluntarily? No. Nope. You? I wouldn't watch it alone voluntarily, but my kids really liked it, so... I will probably be watching it again. Okay, so this is a good segue into 10 seconds on whether or not it's good for our kids because Jay actually said, Mom, I'm bored while we were watching this. So I guess they're just too young and there wasn't enough like comedic antics going on. Huh. My kids are... (sighs) They talk a lot during movies sometimes, uh, which I try to shut down, but um, they were... Like the concept of wishes and what are they going to wish for and how the made up rules of that world work were very fascinating to them. And it is fun to think about what you would wish for if you could wish for anything. And they pointed out that Long, so Long can't grant wishes to, for somebody to fall in love or forget the other rules. He can't bring he can't someone wish- back from the dead. Or kill anybody, but like my kids pointed out, he never said you can't wish for more wishes. Oh, always a classic. Mm-hmm. What would you wish for if you got three wishes from a dragon in a teapot? Ugh, I would stop climate change. It's 116 degrees in British Columbia. Yeah, I can't believe it. I It is bonkers in the Pacific Northwest now. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> that's our note. I'm going to give well, it a... Well, what would you wish for if you got three wishes? Oh, this is one of those terrible instances in which I asked you a question without thinking about my own answer, knowing full well that you were going to turn around and ask me. Uh, but I like <laughs> your answer. Sure, let's deal with climate change. It seems pretty important. Let's suck all the carbon back out of the atmosphere. Let's do it. Uh, yes, ratings. I'm going to go three because oh my gosh Katie yeah I know like John Cho strike me down but I didn't love it I'm gonna give it a five. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well thank you listeners for listening to this episode of it's my screen time too please rate and review us on apple podcast or your podcast platform of choice Check out our website at myscreentime2.com. You can also find us on all the socials, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and even on Gmail, myscreentime2. Send us your show or movie suggestions, article recommendations, or general comments about the show. Our theme music was composed and performed by Deborah and her adorable children, and our podcast is produced by me, Katie. Tune in next week nope I don't have this part written down and I was like you can surely remember the last line of the outro Katie let's try again tune in next week for nope tune in next time (laughs) tune in next time 
for more real talk about the movies and TV beloved by kids and tolerated by parents. Bye. Bye. Tune in next time for... (laughs) (laughs) I got it. I got it.